feel like no one wants me And I hate the way I'm perceived And I only have two real friends Lately I'm a nervous wreck Cause I love people I don't like And I hate every song I write And I'm not cool and I'm not smart And I can't even parallel park All I did was try my best This the kind of things I get I'm relentlessly upset They say these are the golden years But I wish I could disappear Ego crush is so severe brutal out here. But I think maybe you and I can get through it together. With the help of my new friend, Lillian, and my other new friend, you may already know her, Olivia Rodrigo. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. Before we get started, I just want to let you know that this episode of Pop Culture Catechism will have some vulgar language, so if you are listening with little ears around, I suggest you find another time to listen or pop some earbuds in. Enjoy the show. I bought all the clothes that they told me to buy. I chased some dumb ideal my whole fucking life. I trusted you with my heart and you broke it. I gave you everything and you used me. If you can't tell, these are lyrics from Olivia Rodrigo. Have you ever said any of these things or maybe had them said to you or maybe you've said them to yourself in prayer or in moments of agony to God or maybe to no one in particular? Have you ever been furious with someone you love, with someone who said that they love you? And what about when we look at other people and all I see are the things that I lack? And looking at myself, I don't see much value. The words in the lyrics, in the music, and just the tropical storm force, hurricane force, I guess I should say, of Olivia Rodrigo has taken over the pop music world with her first two albums over the past few years. And we're going to talk about it today. And I'm very blessed to have with us today Lillian Fallon, who many of you who follow lots of uh, Catholic creatives in the, the Catholic world know her from her work with uh, the fashion studio Litany. She also has a new book coming out with Ascension press called a theology of style expressing the unique and unrepeatable you i got a copy last week and i've been reading through it and taking notes it's really good i think you're going to want to stick around and hear what she has to say and if you're not familiar with olivia rodrigo sister is deep and you're definitely going to want to stick around if you don't know who i am my name is mike tenney i'm a catholic speaker and worship leader out of washington dc i spent over a decade in catholic high school education and also trying to make it big as a rock star at night and now i am blessed to speak to thousands of people each year through events all over the place and leading worship all over the place and through this show pop culture catechism this is pop culture catechism it's the gospel according to pop music and movies where we dive into the pop culture things that you are plugged into so that then when we unplug and we take out our earbuds and go out in the real world, we can actually have a deeper sense of God's love. We can live in that love and share that love with a world that so desperately needs it. I am so thankful for all the people that support this show, all of you listeners, and especially for our patrons who support our show through popculturecatechism.com and our sponsor for this episode, catholicmerch.store. Everything you buy there supports Awaken Catholic and all the shows here like Pop Culture Catechism. So before, without, without further ado, I'm messing up all over the place today. It's all right. I want to welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, our guest for today's episode, Lillian Fallon, author of the new book, Theology of Style. Lillian, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. You're welcome. So glad to have you. Uh, tell the people about who you are, what you do, where you come from. Sure. I am from Pennsylvania. I am a writer. I'm a public speaker. I just released my very first book with Ascension, so it's a pretty exciting fall for me right now. I also do videos with them on Ascension Presents, and I currently work, I do a couple of things actually. I work at my diocese, but then I also work at Litany NYC, which is a Catholic fashion label based in New York. That's fantastic. Yeah, I've been aware of you for a while just because I try to follow interesting people that I find on Instagram. And I was like, oh, very much. A Catholic, a young Catholic person who's into style. And that's just not something you see every day who's into fashion and so forth. So I've been following you for a while. And I was like, oh, now she's doing Ascension videos. And we've had some other, uh, some like Mari Pablo has been on the show. Tanner Colleen has been on the show. Stacey Summer oh, has been on the show. So we've, yeah, so we've had, we've had a bunch of Ascension uh, alumni on here, uh, Katie McGrady, et cetera. So uh, I saw you starting to do those like, okay, I gotta, I gotta have her on at some point. And so I reached out when I saw that you had a, a book coming out and you wanted to do Olivia Rodrigo. And I was like, yes, I've, I've had 
I've been trying to do this episode for two years and I've had two guests cancel on me. <laughs> and so it's happening like two and a half years later that we're finally doing the episode. I'm really glad we're here. Anything else that people need to know about you before we dive into uh, Miss Rodrigo? Mm, I guess I very much relate to Olivia Rodrigo. I am a single 31 year old woman, but a lot of her lyrics just apply to the single female experience. So I think that it is important mm. to state that like, I am somebody who's out in the dating world. I'm in like, I'm in relationships, I'm out of relationships and it's a crazy time. And so, um, yeah, I think that if anyone who's listening, who's also in that state of life, this is definitely the episode for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Good. Well, if you don't know who Olivia Rodrigo is, she is Olivia Isabel Rodrigo, uh, born February 20th, 2003, American singer songwriter. This is all from Wikipedia. She is an actress. She got her start on the Disney channel on a bunch of shows, but most notably high school musical, the series. And then in 2021, she like crushed the pop music world with her first single, Driver's License, which was this huge ballad, really good song. And then she had other sh songs come off that same album, that first album, Sour, Deja Vu, Good For You. And then she just put out her second album just a few weeks ago in fall of 2023 called Guts. And both albums are really, really good. She has three Grammys, three number one singles, two number one albums, five times more multi-platinum American Music Awards, Billboard Music Awards, MTV Video Music Awards. Time named her the 2021 Entertainer of the Year and Billboard named her the Woman of the Year in 2022. So at a very young age, she's already crushing it. And I think she's going to be uh, a big name in the music industry for a long, long time. So Agreed. before we get into some of the themes of her lyrics, Lillian, what do you love about her artistically? Like what draws oh you to her music? She's just so honest and vulnerable. It's crazy looking at this list of all of her accomplishments, but then all of her music is about how she feels not good enough and how she feels like she doesn't compare. And she's at the top of her game, but she still has this deep wound. And she's just so exquisite with how she expresses that. And relatably shares it. Um, it's very similar to Taylor Swift. And I almost, for me, feel like she's more relatable to me than even Taylor Swift because her, her journey of self-worth is just, ugh, it's just out there. Um, and then even, and just musically, stylistically, I love how she has this, you know, 90s punk vibe very like yes. Gwen Stefani Alanis Morissette mm -hmm. where yes. again it is that like angry I'm angry I'm insecure and I'm angry and but then also that dose of um just vulnerability where it's like kind of poking fun at herself at the same time mm -hmm. um and that's very like a 90s punk vibe where yeah, they they like make fun of themselves, but they're just, it's self-deprecating. It's very self-deprecating, yeah. but still painfully honest. So um, I really appreciate that about her. I saw this meme though, that was like, this is how listening to Olivia Rodrigo feels. And it's Jamie Lee Curtis from Freaky Friday dressed up in like a punk costume. <laughs> and it, it like, as a 31 year old, I feel like this, like old person who's like, yeah, rock on. <laughs> 19 year old. Well, ima imagine how I feel as a 40 year old man. <laughs> and, and I'm like, good for you. You're the cap. You know, I'm rocking out. To it, so yeah. Same way. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I love all the nineties. Like I, I, I was in high school in the late nineties. And so I was, I was in it in the grunge era. Alanis Morissette. I remember when Jagged Little Pill came out and my brothers got it on cassette and we played the rails off it. It was so good. And yeah, yeah it definitely reminds me of Gwen Stefani and Alanis Morissette. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like she's, she's resurfaced at a time where rock music has kind of disappeared for a while. You know, the last, the last, we haven't had huge rock bands like come out of the woodwork, maybe like AJR or something like that. But I think like fun was the last big rock band we had, like really like so top true. the charts, you know, it's, it's been a little while. And so she's, she's capturing this nineties nostalgia comes back stronger than a nineties trend as, as Taylor would say. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I think there's a little bit of Adele in there. There's definitely a lot of Alanis Morissette in there. I hear um, echoes of like Garbage and Hole and Liz mm-hmm. Fair from the 90s. Uh, yep. And also more modern singers, definitely Taylor Swift. But it's like if you put Taylor Swift and Haley Williams from Paramore and Billie Eilish in a blender, like you'd get Olivia Rodrigo. Because at times when she's real soft, she sounds like Billie. And then times when she's real loud, she sounds like Haley. But then the lyrics kind of sound like Taylor. It's so, so true. Uh, Yes, yeah, but the, the lyrics aren't so focused on just relationships, which I feel like Taylor did for like five albums, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. it's more it's a little more introspective. It's most about of the her time relationship of, with herself yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and there's there's parts on it, especially the second album. The the producer is a guy named Dan Nigro, who I didn't know before he did stuff with Olivia Rodrigo, but he's just incredible. And like, I'm I'm hearing elements of like The Cure and Rage Against the Machine and Smashing Pumpkins. You know, these albums I listened yeah. to that my my I stole from my brother's CD collections. You know, when I was in middle school, and similar sounds and the guitars and everything are showing up in uh, in these tracks. So, yeah. if you're an old guy like me and you grew up in the '90s, listening to those bands, I think. You should give this a listen because it's it's really good um yeah and like you said the the lyrics is really good she's got a great voice uh even some of the chord progressions are not like your typical pop chord progression sorry this is the music nerd in me but she's got like a lot of minor four chords it's like the the same progression as creep uh is in uh vampire her new single so uh there's there's a there's a lot of like unorthodox chord progressions which which Uh are really cool no totally agree and like her um when she released the a bad idea, right? What, what is it? What's yeah, the, bad idea, bad right? Idea. That's what it's called. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were like, "Wait, what?" Because it sounds strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people were like, "I don't know if I can get on board with this." But it is that '90s imperfect sound, which mm-hmm. we've lost a lot in recent years because everything is so mm-hmm. polished and overproduced. Yes, auto-tuned. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it has this like kind of like inharmonious raw sound, which really complements the rawness of her lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you, if you watch live videos, she's got an awesome band. It's mostly female and they just like have harmonies and it's, it's, it's really good. And I find, uh, especially on the second album, there's this juxtaposition in the music of like pretty and ugly of like, she's singing with like perfect technique and then she's just like screaming right after that, you know, there, there's, you know, it's, it's and even, even in, I feel like her personal style, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we get into it, but like her first album is called sour and she's like beautiful and all dressed up and her hair's all done and professional makeup and everything. And she's just got, got her tongue out like that with like yeah. stuff plastered all over her face. So I feel like there's definitely this juxtaposition of like pretty and ugly and kind of like the exterior facade and like what's going on inside. And I, I anyway, it, it works for me. I love it. I think it's really good. <laughs> Agreed. Uh-huh. Anything you would say that you don't really love about her artistically? Um, Hmm. I, wow. It's so funny. Cause it's like, I just love her so much. It's because her imperfections make up so much of who she is that it's kind yeah. of mm-hmm. hard to come down on her. I guess some of her songs are because they're so similar to the past. Mm-hmm. I a little bit wish that she would step out and do something that is very unique to herself. Cause we, you know, we've been talking about, she sounds like Paramore. She sounds like she's gotten uh copyright infringement with mm-hmm. Taylor and Haley Williams. And she yeah. had to give mm-hmm. the um, royalties of like, half of the royalties to Haley Williams and Taylor Swift mm-hmm. for yep. even sampled um, Christmas, what uh, New Year's day. She sampled mm-hmm. New Year's day with, um, Oh gosh. I'm like blanking on the song, but it's the, um, the piano song. And she openly admitted she was like, Oh yeah, this is sampled from that. And then she went on and did her own and she was like, gave the copyright royalties, you mm-hmm. know, but, one step forward, three steps back from yeah. the first album. Yeah, that's yeah. Song, yeah. yeah. Oh, and I love yeah. that song. And so I was a little mm-hmm. bit bummed, I think, because I love that song so much. I was a little mm-hmm. bit like bummed when I found out that it was like pretty much directly the exact same piano melody. Um, mm-hmm. And so she pulls a lot from the people who inspire her. And it's mm-hmm. evident in her music. And I'm looking forward to when she branches out and really is just mm-hmm. creating her own sound. 
Yeah, I think I think the second album does that a, a little better. I think it. I, I like the second hour album better, which I don't think yeah. most people do. But I think that's because I think the second album is more rock and less ballad, which is more me. So, yeah. <laughs> but I think most people got into her because of like Driver's License, oh, yeah. uh, which was more of a ballad. So I think I think probably most people like like her first album better. But uh, for me, yeah. it's her it's her second album. But my my only thing is I, I'm I'm excited for her, kind of like with Alanis Morissette to find some inner peace so that she can write some happier songs. Like when Alanis Morissette came out with uh, thank you, it was like her mm-hmm. second or I think it was like her third album. We're all like, what we like it when Alanis screams, like where is she going to scream? Yeah. So uh, like she had Alanis, not Alanis, Olivia, she has fun songs, but they're not really like happy songs. They're kind of fun in that like emo self-deprecating, as you were saying, emo kind of way, you know, like in yeah. fallout boys, sugar, you're going down. It's like, I'm just a notch on your bedpost, but you're just a line in a song. You know, it's, it's like a fun, happy song, but it's also about like, <laughs> like <laughs> I'm sleeping away my insecurities, you know, like, so and she kind of has that element to her where it's, it's like kind of making Agreed. fun of herself. So Agreed. She's All right. so and I think young. She, it, it kind of makes yeah, sense. That she's like growing up before the eyes of the public, what she talks about mm-hmm. endlessly in her music. And it's like, yeah. when you're 19, it's like, what else are you going to do? Except for like, write mm-hmm. about how you're feeling like you don't compare. Like it's like her hardest years of her life is being like, that's what she needs to write. That's what she's writing music about. Um, that's like all she knows. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's dive into some of the themes. And the first theme I want to talk about specifically w- with you, Lillian, because your thing is fashion and style. I want to pick your brain on some of these songs because in several of her songs, she talks about how like hurtful it has been for her growing up in this American culture that is so obsessed with image, especially of women in their self-image of being objectified of having to look a certain way hair makeup clothes instagram and she has songs like jealousy jealousy on her new album pretty isn't pretty uh in teenage dream and and so all american bitch and so many of her songs she just talks about like what is expected of a woman in this society and how much pressure is put on them in their appearance. So I want, I want to talk some about the, these songs and I want to start uh, with jealousy, jealousy off of guts, her first album. And I want to read some of the lyrics here. I kind of want to throw my phone across the room. Cause all I see are girls too good to be true with paper, white teeth and perfect bodies. I wish I didn't care. I know their beauty is not my lack, but it feels that weight is on my back and I can't let it go. Comparison is killing me slowly. I think too much about kids who don't know me. I'm so sick of myself. I'd rather be anyone else. My jealousy has started following me. I see everyone getting all the things I want and I'm happy for them. But then again, I'm not (laughs) just cool vintage clothes and vacation photos. I can't stand it. God, I sound crazy. Their win is not my loss, but I can't help getting caught up in it all. All your friends are so cool. You go out every night in your daddy's nice car. You're living the life. Got a pretty face, a pretty boyfriend too. I want to be you so bad and I don't even know you. So happier, pretty, happier, prettier, jealousy, jealousy. All I see is what I should be. I'm losing it. All I get is jealousy, jealousy. So there's a lot there. I read pretty much the whole song, but (laughs) when, as someone in the fashion industry who has thought a lot about fashion and style enough to like write a whole book on it and obviously thinks it's like a good, beautiful thing that God has given us. Like, I don't know. What do you think when you hear a song like this? (laughs) Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's relatable. It's, she has this way of being self-reflective while at the same time feeling the problem still. Like she mm-hmm. says, I know their beauty's not my lack. I know that their win is not my loss, but I still feel this way. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of both and in our human experience where it's like, I know, and that that's the distance between a girl's mind and heart or like the distance between her mind and her self-esteem which is a long Mm. way and i think that my journey in my teenage years 20s has been that i know i know that god has given me has given me like immeasurable worth i know Mm. that my value doesn't come from how i look i know that just because somebody else is living this life doesn't mean that my life is worthless, but it doesn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like the distance between your mind and your heart 
is a long way. And mm-hmm. when it comes to like this book and personal style, I, I think that I was very much experiencing what Olivia is saying, especially when I was in the city, because when I got there, I felt like I was emerging onto the scene that was going to reaffirm my value and my uniqueness. But really, New York is full of a lot of assimilation. It's full of a lot of uh, pressure to conform. And I'll Mm. never forget when I stepped onto the train for the first time for like my first day of work. And I had on like a bright red pencil skirt and this like stripey, like Parisian-ish top. And um, I probably was wearing some like weird shoe that gave me blisters. But (laughs) I remember I looked down the subway expecting everybody else to be similarly dressed because we're all going to conquer a day in New York City. And everybody was wearing black and it was just kind of utilitarian, like regular schmegler clothes. And I was like, and they were all looking at me like, okay. Um, <laughs> which I mean, yeah, in New York, you see a lot of crazy things. So I probably, that's probably what wasn't what they were <laughs> like, <laughs> like hmm. but uh-huh. that it was very apparent to me, oh, when you're in New York, you fit in or you need to fit in in order to be part of this industry. Um, And so I thought that in order to be like the cool, classy women who are traipsing across the street, waving, hailing down cabs, I felt like, oh, well, then I need to look like them in order to be them. Like, you know, dress for the job you want. And Mm -hmm. so I went to Zara and I would like spend my paychecks at Zara, which is the trendiest store possible. And I eventually just had a wardrobe full of clothes that looked like everybody else. And my self-esteem and my identity was just totally diminished. I mm-hmm. There was this point in my life where I, I walked past a window that was reflective and I couldn't find myself in the reflection. And mm. I stood there for a while being like, where am I? And people are going by and I couldn't find myself. And that was when I knew, okay, I have lost myself to this scene. And simultaneously at the same time that I was trying to fit in so much and have affirmation from the fashion industry, I my faith life um, wasn't thriving. And really it ties into her next song, which was um, uh, pretty, went, pretty Isn't Pretty. And she talks about when it's not enough, like, what do you do? Because for mm. me in New York, nothing was enough. Um, I could be living the coolest life, but I always wanted something more. I would lay in bed at night thinking about all the things I wanted. I would lay in bed thinking about, well, if I was prettier, if I was skinnier, if I was richer, I would then be happier. But Mm. what Olivia really gets to in Pretty Isn't Pretty is that it's never enough. There's always something more. You can win the battle, but you'll never win the war. You fix the things you hated, and you'd still feel so insecure. And I try to ignore it, but it's everything I see It's in the poster on the wall, it's in these shitty magazines It's in my phone, it's in my head, it's in the boys I bring to bed It's all around, it's all the time, don't know why I even try When pretty isn't pretty enough, what do you do? And so, yeah, that was very much like And even in New York, I remember like I liked this guy who didn't like me back and I did all the things. I was like, if I, I stopped eating lunch, I remember it's like literally like what she says in the lyrics. I, I started to skip lunch, stopped eating cake on birthdays. I did that. I remember standing in the mirror and being like, I know this is insane. I know that this is unhealthy to stop eating for a guy but I'm still going to do it if it's going to get me him. Um, Mm. And it's just like, yeah, that, I mean, I just relate so much to everything she writes. (laughs) 
that when I was listening to this album for the first time a few weeks ago and it got to this song, first of all, it sounds like the cure and smashing pumpkins. And I was like, this is awesome. Just like the, 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 the guitar is like, has wonderful effects on it and like a little bit of phaser and it, it's great. Um, but the, that second verse, you can win the battle, but you'll never win the war. You fix the things you hated and you'd still feel so insecure. And I try to ignore it. I try to ignore it, but it's everything I see. It's on the poster on the wall. It's in the shitty magazines. It's in my phone. It's in my bed. It's in the boys I bring to bed. It's all around. It's all the time. I don't know why I even try. It's like, whoa, like that just like hit me to my heart. And like, as, as somebody who's worked with young women in ministry for over a decade, like that just crushed me because I've seen so many young women who have, have told me things just like you told me that they just feel this intense, intense pressure. And I've, I grew up at a time in the late nineties, early two thousands, when we were first starting to like, think about eating disorders and like really realize like what was happening. And, um, you know, Photoshop was first starting to be a thing. And now I think about kids having TikTok and Instagram all the time. And like the pressure that like, my female friends felt in high school, I feel like it's a hundred times more now. Oh, and if you sure. look at trends of like, um, you know, young women and anxiety and depression, and then you like look at the graphs of like when like the iPhone came out, it's like they match, like they, <laughs> they go up together and like COVID made it a little bit worse, but it was like a trend yeah. that had started when the iPhone came out, you know, like, because all the time, all our spare time, we're looking at all these, these models and, 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 and filtered people and comparing ourselves to them when, okay, for, there's so many layers to like the, the, what we see on the screen. First of all, they're like genetic freaks who are like the 0.001 most beautiful people on earth. Yeah. Then they take a hundred pictures and pick the best one or two. Yeah. And they have like nutritionists and professional trainers. And then they have professional wardrobe or free wardrobe because they're getting sponsors and uh, professional makeup and hair. And some of them are getting, um, you know, surgeries and plastic surgery and augmentations and those sorts of things. And then the Photoshop and the filtering starts, right? And then if you're looking at hundreds of those pictures every day, of course, we're going to feel that way about ourselves. And it's, you know, and it's for guys too. Like I'm, I'm into weightlifting and stuff like that. And I'm the, the algorithm knows me too, when I'm scrolling on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. And, you know, even though amongst most of my friends, I'm known as like the fit one to a lot of people. Like I see these guys, I'm like, Oh, my shoulders are small. I don't have a six pack, you know, like it's, it's for the guys too, you know? And, uh, but I can only imagine, I feel like it's a hundred times worse for the women. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so, so I have, so I have a question here. Um, you have part of, it seems like part of your vocation, part of your calling that you've like discerned from God is fashion and style. But I think some people would look at these problems that we have in America with consumerism and, and very image focused pressure on women to look a certain way and the problems that you and I have described and would say, well, then we just need to forget it all. Not worry about fashion, not worry about what is trendy, not worry about what's in and, you know, kind of may maybe even be like the nuns who always, you know, always cover their hair and don't have to worry about that sort of vain stuff. Like, why do we not just kind of write this off as something of the world? And, it, you know, isn't that the right Catholic way to go about things? Like, what, what do you, what do you have to say for yourself, Lillian? <laughs> Uh, that was definitely something that I was grappling with as a teenager because I loved fashion, but I also loved my faith. And I thought, how do these two things coexist? Do they just not? Should I not draw attention to my body ever? Is the body the thing that's like bad? And this culture that is like, buy this, buy that, you need to fit in and get the cool new thing in order to feel relevant and liked by other people. Um, and I, so I, in bringing up the story about how, when I moved to New York and I started to try and fit in with everybody, um, it was at that point that I was like, I am done with the fashion industry because the fashion industry is really different than personal style. That was the thing that was very eye-opening to me uh, because when we think about fashion, we think about the industry. We think about the Devil Wears Prada. We think about magazines. We think about runway shows. 
that is an industry that needs to make money to continue. But when we think yeah. about personal style, we often have images pop up in our minds like Audrey Hepburn or Grace Kelly, or even one of our friends who dresses very well. We think about the human person when we think about personal style. And when I was going through that time in New York City where I was shopping fast fashion clothing, which is the Zara Forever 21 H&M, the very trend-based stuff, um, I made the cold turkey just like an addict, was like, I'm done. And I stopped shopping at those stores, and I switched to shopping vintage and thrift thrifting. Mm. And it was in cutting off the influence from the fashion industry that I actually developed my personal style. And the more that I dressed as a one of a kind human being who is mm. unrepeatable, the more that made me think about, well, who made me unrepeatable? Mm. Why am I this way? Um, there, the power of clothing, it's, it's been proven by psychologists for like decades, hundreds and hundreds of years. In my book, I talk about these psychologists from the 1800s who talk about the influence of clothing and how it's really an extension of the person's identity and how the things we wear make us feel different. Mm, and yeah. so when I started dressing in this way that was to emphasize the fact that I'm one of a kind and unrepeatable, the more I started to see myself through God's eyes, that I was one of a kind and unrepeatable. And that aided mm. my faith life. <laughs> and so I was like, wait a minute. Um, actually, clothing can really be helpful when it comes to our faith. And then the I dove into <clears throat> Theology of the Body and wrote a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We've talked a lot about Theology of the Body on this show and we've had uh, Christopher West on. And uh, it's, it, yeah, so if anyone who's a regular listener, we talk about Theology of the Body and John Paul II mm -hmm. all the time. I love how the story you shared with us earlier was about looking at yourself in the reflection of the window and you couldn't find yourself. You were like lost amid the masses. And then once you kind of broke out of that, both with your exterior and in your interior, you discovered a deeper sense of your unrepeatability, like your unique yeah. you. And so I, I just love that, that contrast. And it's, it's interesting. It made me think of at mass, the priest doesn't wear what he normally wears. Normally the priest wears a collar, right? Which isn't what everybody else wears or like religious orders. They wear something different. Like there is something in the Catholic tradition of what we wear matters yes. and what we wear does something to us. And what we do with our bodies does something to us because we're physical and spiritual. It's why we kneel at certain times and stand at certain times and hold our hands in different ways at different times, right. but also why we put on like our Sunday best and that sort of thing. And, and you're right. Like th this is backed up by science and psychology. And this is why, um, you know, professional athletes, a lot of times they have like lucky socks, you know, that they wear on every game because that's part of like their, their, when they're going into the game, they kind of, in some ways become almost a different person. You know, Le yeah. Leo Messi on the soccer pitch is not the same pe person as Leo Messi hanging out with his kids. He is the same person, but he gets in a different mindset. And uh, I, I kind of do the same thing. Like when I have to go on stage for a big event that I'm kind of nervous about, it's like, I dress a certain way. I like, if it's a big event, I like get a haircut, you know, like I wear different underwear, you know, like I, and it really does help, you know, it might be TMI, but even before coming down here, I'm just like in my basement right now where I have my studio and like, I brush my teeth. Why do I brush my teeth? Like you can't, you know, you know, through zoom, you can't smell my breath or whatever, but it just, I knew it would help me to like brush my teeth and be like, you know what? Mm -hmm. Game on. Uh, when I was in a, a secular band, probably about 10 years ago, our lead singer was female and we'd be driving to gigs together. And the back of my car is like stacked to the ceiling with guitars and speakers. She would do her makeup in the car and like the, the, the mirror in the passenger side. And I'd be like, why didn't you do that before we left? And she'd be like, no, this is, this is like part of my thing that I do It's like on the way to the gig. I do my makeup in the car. It's like putting on my game face, you know? And so I think if we can do that as in a spirit that you described is this is not me, you know, living up to other people's expectations. This is like me put like putting on display who I am. 
And I, and not in an, in an ostentatious way, you talk a lot about modesty in this book. And I really like how you talk about modesty one, cause you quote your sources and some sources I'd never heard before. Uh, and two, because you're really nuanced and it's not just like women wear a potato sack or you're going to hell for tempting the men. Um, <laughs> so I really like your section on modesty. Anyway. And there was like, the, like the first thing I went to, I was like, all right, can I have this? I can have this girl on my show. I got to see what she says about modesty and see if she's crazy. I was like, Oh, this is actually really good. I'm excited to have her on. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Really well nice. nuanced. So Thank kudos, you. kudos on that. Appreciate that. Um, anyway, but, so that's, yeah. that's just, a, yeah. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I was just going to add to what you're saying is that we are body and soul. Like it's backed up psychologically, but it's also backed up theologically. And that is because St. John Paul II <laughs> says that the body and only the body can make visible the invisible, the spiritual and the divine. Our bodies manifest our souls. The bodies make visible the invisible. We communicate the internal reality of our personhood through the material. And oh my gosh, like what a cool opportunity then to use clothing as a way to further communicate and make visible the internal and invisible beauty of our souls. So when I took that class in theology, when I took theology of the body, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. This isn't this thing where my fashion interest is over here and my, my Catholicness is over here. Actually, this is so integral to Catholicism because uh, the material and the divine come together at every turn in the faith. We have the incarnation where Christ literally became man. We have the Eucharist where we literally consume Jesus body and blood. Mm. The, the divine is constantly reaching down to us in our materiality. And mm -hmm. when we think about the human person, we are a body soul composite. Um, we mm. are also our bodies. And that's mm -hmm. why death is so painful because it's a separation of that um, until the resurrection or, you know, so the resurrection of the body. So mm -hmm. it's like we can't disregard the physical. We have to highly regard the physical. Um, mm -hmm. And so when it comes to the things that we wear, it can be this opportunity to reaffirm to ourselves how we were made that we have bodies of infinite dignity and to pay reverence to our bodies but also to make visible that the beauty of our souls and the more that we do that we see ourselves as somebody who's been chosen from eternity and called and identified by name by god the more that we see how, see ourselves how God sees us. And that's what I want for Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So uh, a couple of things that, that made me think of, and then I want to get back to Olivia, is uh, you were talking about in the sacraments, you know, the sacraments are these, these physical signs and actions that make present the spiritual. Yeah. You were talking about the Eucharist. But I, what you, I it made me think of is during, like during baptism, after the, the baby or the person is baptized, we can literally put, a white garment on them. And we say, yeah. put on Christ. You have put on the new Christ. And the same, like at your first communion, traditionally you wear something white. You, you know, girls wear the dress, boys wear the suit at, at a wedding. You, you wear certain things, yeah. to, you know, a lot of times at uh, confirmations, they have people wear like red robes to symbolize the, the Holy spirit. And so we absolutely in Catholicism use vesture. Yeah. We use, you know, putting on certain vestments and certain outfits yeah, for the liturgical to symbolize season. certain things. Like, yeah, we dress like the, up our the, churches the, to step into yes, the liturgical yes. season. And there's an integration of the, the mm -hmm. physical with the spiritual reality. So why not mm -hmm. as lay people integrate our faith with how we physically interact throughout the day? Yeah. And, uh, like even like a lot of people wear scapulars, they're like those, those little, like, if you don't know what a scapular is listeners, it's like the, the little like cloth, little square cloth that Catholics sometimes wear on their neck and one's on the back and one's on the front. And that comes from the, 
the middle ages and it used to be like full hoods that people would wear and they like wear different color ones depending on like their spirituality or their devotion and they would like take on certain promises that they would do as like spiritual devotions and so that has a rich tradition uh in the the catholic faith i was also thinking of the the stole which is kind of like the scarf looking thing that the priest wears when yeah. he is doing confession just to uh like symbolize like all right i'm here not just as me i'm here as like christ's ears to to, to hear and and to offer forgiveness so yeah uh, the more i think about this the the deeper the theology of style and fashion goes for me <laughs> where i wanted to go from here was you were talking about that idea of n never being enough and feeling like it's never enough. There's this line from her song, Ballad of a Homeschool Girl. Interesting that she, Billie Eilish, Taylor Swift, and Haley Williams, all homeschooled at some point, <laughs> probably because they were like young starlets. But yeah. um, she says in that, in that song, I hate all my clothes. I feel like my skin doesn't fit right over my bones. And Such I feel line. like, yeah, I feel like some people could take this, this whole idea of, of, your, you know, your fashion and your style helping you like kind of figure out your unrepeatability. I feel like some people kind of get it wrong where they think, oh, if I dye my hair blue and I dress up as goth, then, then I'm going to understand my identity, you know, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, if I, or if I dye my hair blonde or, uh, you know, cut my, or shave my head or grow a, grow a tattoo or get a tattoo or grow a goatee or something like right. that. Like, I think some people, because they are so lost, uh, in their identity of who you are and something that you shared earlier is you said, I knew that I was loved by God, but I had a hard time getting down here to my heart to like my self-esteem. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people out there, maybe most people out there, they don't even know. They haven't even heard that message and internalized it yet. So like for a lot of us, it's a struggle of like, I know this, but I, I don't feel it. But a lot of people, the struggle is like, no, I really have to be prettier and then I'll be happy. I really have to be funnier and then I'll be happy. I really have to like make more money and then I'll be happy. Where, whereas like, that's the first hurdle. You got to get past there. And then it's the second hurdle of internalizing that so that even if you know it, you're not chasing it from this right. emotional insecurity, you know, because right. it is never enough. Never on enough. her first album, she has this whole song about good enough. She says, all I ever wanted was to be enough for you. And I'm like, sweetie, you're never going to be enough for him. He's never going to be enough for you because only God can satisfy. And if you try to put all that on a person and make them your God, you're going to break yourself and break them and break the relationship. Yeah. It's just nothing, right. no hook can hold that weight that only God can hold. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so as much as we appreciate fashion or music or another person, we, if we're, if we're going to view it correctly and if we're not going to break and ruin the good thing that God has given us, we got to view it in context of, of, of God. I heard someone describe it one time of like, imagine a, you're walking along and on the ground, you see this beautiful piece of colored glass and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And somebody's like, Hey, look up there. And like, no, this, look at this. Did everyone see what I got? And meanwhile, above you is a beautiful stained glass window, like Rose window, <laughs> you know? And it's like, that is how we are as like fallen people that live in a sinful world yeah. is we have lost the context in the vision of like, Oh, I love this music. Oh, I love the way I look there. Oh, I love this person. That is a reflection of the beauty of God. And until we can reorient ourselves and see the full picture of the rose window, like we're going to end up obsessed with this little broken piece of a beautiful thing and be like, Whoa, this is awesome. It's like you're drinking out of a puddle just because you're thirsty. Meanwhile, the oasis, you know, is like right there ready for us. So, um, I, f I feel like if we don't get that right, we it's, we're just going to pour ourselves into these things that are never right. enough. Well, never, that, they can never satisfy. It's looking for external things to validate us. Um, mm, yeah. And that's, what like so many of our wounds come from is looking for the attention from the boy to make us feel like we have worth and value. It's the outfit that's going to, the outfit has value and then osmosis make me have value. Uh, um, mm. Really it's like, no, you're, you have unchanging value no matter what. Um, you can't, add or take away from it. It's just intrinsic to who you are. And if you start searching and betraying yourself so that 
yeah, betraying yourself so that you can believe that you have value and worth by all these outside things. Because, and I think that when I talk about personal style, and it really should be something that comes from within. Of course, there's inspiration and we can see things and be like, wow, I really love that. And I feel like that does reflect an internal beauty within me. But sometimes, sometimes we think that by putting that thing on that it will give us that value. Um, mm-hmm. And when we go shopping, it should be like, you're not putting on a costume. And I think that sometimes mm-hmm. when we see like goth or we see heavy trendiness, like everybody's dyeing their hair different colors, which sometimes is like super cool mm-hmm. and fun, like have fun. Like yeah, it's uh-huh. not so serious yeah. as we think it is. Um, yeah. But again, it's that like, it's this thing will then make me have an identity rather than my identity informs what I'm wearing. Mm. Um, yep. So, and I mean, that's kind of just in our lives. And I, I see that so much in Olivia's music where she's looking for all these outside things to affirm her value. And she's just constantly finding that it's not enough. It's not enough. And she's still empty. And that's how we all feel when we go to the world and we go to attention from others and affirmation from the world instead of affirmation from God. Um, Mm. We always will always feel empty and like it's not enough because it's never enough. Man. I kind of feel a little personally attacked by that last little sermon there. That's like my, that's like my essential spiritual struggle. It's yeah. Like, please like me. Please like, it's a, it's a little brother in me. You know, it's like, I want attention. Oh, Everyone, are you paying attention to me? I'm you know? such a people pleaser. Um, I mean, that's why we can yeah, talk about sure. this, but see, look, we're both Olivia yeah. Rodrigo. And that's why we like this so much is because she mm-hmm. is, she sees herself and she's explaining this experience that we both have where we want people to like us. We want, you know, to, yeah, we want to be affirmed by, by the people that we also like. So it's, mm-hmm. we are all Olivia. Yeah. We <laughs> she's, are. she's just uh, writing really you, good music you read, about it. You read, yeah, you read some of this, these lyrics from pretty isn't pretty at the very beginning of the episode, but I want to read them again and read the next part. I bought all the clothes that they told me to buy. I chased some dumb ideal my whole fucking life and none of it matters and none of it ends. You just feel like shit over and over again. (laughs) Like, man, what a way to end the song. (laughs) (laughs) That would never end. Boop. (laughs) Uh Yeah. It never ends. uh, It never ends. Never ends. One one of my favorite songs off her first album is the opening of the album. It's it's uh, what I'll start this 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 episode with. Brutal that the the cold open of this video of this episode. She says, uh, "I feel like no one wants me, and I hate the way I'm perceived. I only have two real friends, and lately I'm a nervous wreck because I love people I don't like, and I hate every song I write, and I'm not cool, and I'm not smart, and I can't even parallel park." <laughs> <laughs> All I did was try my best. This is the kind of thanks I get. Um, they say these are the golden years, but I wish I could disappear. Uh, it's just about being, it's brutal being a teenage girl in the in 2023 or 2020, whenever she wrote this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's, it's interesting why I think one reason that people are so insecure is like social media and, and, and being observed all the time. Yeah. And at, at the end of one of her songs, like kind of, kind of as the music's fading out, you hear like some, people talking kind of kind of like overheard in the studio and it's like is this recording of course it is and it's like at any given point in your life you could be being recorded because a friend could be putting you on tiktok you know and i think that does something to us psychologically it used to be when you went to a concert maybe you took a few pictures because you had one of those like wind up cameras you know or you brought your (laughs) camera your one friend who was really into photography but now it's like half the show every we've all got our our cell phones out i remember i got to see pope francis in 2014 when he came to the united states and i remember as he was driving by i was like I'm not going to record anything. I'm just going to like take this moment in. And I'm like, so glad that I did, even though I don't have any pictures of him like driving by instead of a blurry <laughs> picture of the Pope mobile as it zipped by. Like yeah. I got to just like look at it and experience yes. it. And so many of us, um, we experience the, 
we experience life always wondering like, how can I capture this? Or how is this going to be captured if I'm being observed right now? And so, and it's so subconscious. And so I think that adds a real insecurity of instead of just being in the present, being in the moment, being with my friends, I'm thinking, how is this going to look on Instagram? Right. Can I get a profile picture out of this? Yeah. We're always looking at ourselves from the third person. Like we're always on the outside looking in, which is so Mm -hmm. bad. Like, and I think especially as women, we're also very aware of that. Like we're always thinking like, how am I looking as I'm doing this thing? Um, we're rarely ever just interacting in the world genuinely because we're always thinking, how is this other per- person seeing me? And then with the introduction yes. of phones, it's like, oh, well, now I know. And if I don't, if I see a bad angle or I, I see something that I don't like, then that is me. I am Mm. the sum of my bad angles. I am the sum Mm. of how I am perceived by the world. And it's just, it's so hard because you just, then you're never like living your own life from the the first person. You're always thinking about how other people are seeing you. It's just like hyper yeah, what, if, what if I don't get enough? What if I don't get enough likes? What if uh, I don't get enough comments of people, people saying like, oh my gosh, yeah. you look so good. Oh my gosh, you're so cute. Like g- guys don't do this as much, but I feel like uh, all my, my female friends, whenever they post a cute picture or something, all their other girlfriends are like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. Oh my gosh, you're gorgeous. You know? And like, if you don't get enough of those, like, I'm sure that that affects you, <laughs> you know? You're like, oh, I like, guess I'm an uggo and everybody hates me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like straight out of brutal, you know, uh, the, <laughs> yeah. the lyrics there. Um, I'm so sick of 17. Where's my fucking teenage dream. If someone tells me one more time, enjoy your youth. I'm, I'm going to cry. cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's mm-hmm. so funny at the same time. Like mm-hmm. she's yeah. like the, um, it's a bad idea. Right. And then she's like, fuck it. It's fine. <laughs> I played that. I played my that song for my wife the other night. I was like, listen to this song and just watch the lyrics. And she was cracking up. That so song is funny. so good. She's yeah. got. She's a very she, humor. My wife just handed the phone back and she was like, "Yep, that's that's how it happens." Nope, <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Ugh, the compulsion yeah, that, for talk, us affirmation is so real. Uh huh. Yeah. Talk talk about like a good understanding of of human nature and like the brokenness of the human soul is like, we want that. We, you know, it, it's good to want to be desired. It's good to like consider other people's feelings and consider their perspective on yourself. Like somebody who doesn't ever think about what other people think about them. We call them sociopaths, right? Like <laughs> that's not good either. So like, it is yeah. a good thing to consider other people's perspective on you. Yeah. Um, but because of our brokenness and original sin or the, the fancy theological word I would teach my students is concupiscence. You know, like yeah. we want, we want what's bad for us. You know, Paul, St. Paul says in, in Romans, I, I hate the thing that I do, but I do it anyway. Why do I do the thing that I hate? And oh my I see God. that all through her lyrics of like, this is a bad idea, right? Of like, ah, yeah. whatever, oh, <laughs> you know, it's fine. He's only a friend. Biggest lie I ever said. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I mean, uh-huh. I, I tripped it. I tripped and fell into his I bed. <laughs> I wonder what your thoughts are on the, um, the song that's on the radio. Oh, I love it and I hate it at the same time. You and I drink mm-hmm. the point. That's like this. That's like literally what St. Paul said. Like, I love it and I yeah. hate it at the same mm-hmm. time. I'm going to do it anyway. Like, exactly. Uh, C.S. Lewis says in the in the Screw Tape Letters, which if you've never read it, listeners, is uh, it's like letters imagined from a, a like demon who's trying to tempt human souls. And it's like a, a master veteran demon teaching like a youngster rookie demon how to tempt people. And he's like, look, here's our goal is like all these desires and passions these humans have, they're really good things. Like the things they enjoy, their bodies are good, but we want to ruin them. And so we make them addicted to it. So they hate it but they can't stop. So they don't even enjoy the thing, but they can't get rid of it either. And then you've ruined it for them. And that's our goal. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, that totally happens. Like the more obsessed I get with something, like I can't even, I can't even enjoy it anymore. That's, that's in one of her songs too. Uh, I forget which one, but she talks about like, I've, I ruin everything that I, uh, I ruin everything that I love. Like yeah. I love music and I made a career out of it. And now it's driving me crazy. You know, I love this boy and I poured my heart into him. And then it was, is like, he broke my heart and betrayed me, you know? So, um, yeah, when we obsess about the things and make it the idol, then we don't see it in, when we don't see it in the vision, the context of the rose window, it get all messed up. So. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if you haven't listened to Bad Idea Right, it's like uh, <laughs> it's so good. Ro- Romans seven fifteen. Here it is. What I do, I do not understand. For I do not do what I want, but I do what I hate. And uh, we talk about in the Catholic tradition, these seven deadly sins. And one of them is sloth, which a lot of people think is uh, just like being lazy. And that's part of it. But a lot of it, it's like a moral laziness. It's like your conscience has gotten lazy. And when she's like, it's a bad idea, right? Fuck it, it's fine. Like Mm -hmm. that is what it sounds like. And how many of us have done that, even with something as simple as like, you know, "Ah, I should brush my teeth before I go to bed. Fuck it, it's fine. Just like, right, ah, right. I shouldn't eat another donut. Fuck it, it's fine. But like, the more we give into that, and the more we practice that, yeah. the more it comes into like, ah, I shouldn't really speak up and defend that person. Ah, fuck it, it's fine. Yeah. You know, like I really shouldn't call this person up. You know, and each one of us have been tempted with that a million different ways. Um, man. Yeah. I feel like every parent in America needs to take their teenager and like sit them down and listen to these albums and talk about it. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. That's actually a very good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so, uh, can I go a different direction with this? Totally. Um, and, uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll probably have to wrap it up. Uh, so dating in 2023, it's pr- sounds pretty easy. It's brutal out here. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I, I hear, th- I hear this from my, from my younger friends. Like, I mean, Olivia, if you're listening to Olivia's lyrics, it seems pretty brutal and you know she's she's beautiful and famous but still she feels like she's used and abused and and betrayed and i don't know do you do you have a diagnosis what's so hard about dating these days it's hard well we all like try and like point our fingers at each other like i was i'm going to be doing a interview with catholic match probably tomorrow and me and this dude Mm -hmm. are going to be talking about like what is going on with like Catholic dating? And he was like, these are the things that guys are annoyed at by girls, by the women. And I'm like, well, I'm annoyed about guys for doing this and they don't commit and they always have more options than us. And Mm. Um, so it's like, we're both men and women are both so flawed. Um, And it's just this perfect culmination of like living in a digital age and I think a lot of it does have to do with like that choice paralysis where you have endless choices. And so you always think like, well, I could probably find something better. Um, Mm. I know that for me, it's been a lot of like, kind of similarly to like Olivia's experience where it's like you find somebody that you really like and you're, you throw all of yourself into it. And then you kind of start, finding yourself trying to like prove yourself to this person you're trying to like they start kind of like inching away and you're like wait a minute hold on like I can show you that I'm worth sticking it out for um Mm. and then you just end up in this cycle of like self-betrayal like I think that's a unique theme in her music where she kind of talks a lot about betraying Mm. herself um yeah that's true and and in modern dating, it's just like, it's so crazy. I don't even like know what to say about it. I think for me, like, I don't, I personally feel like there's not a lot of options. Um, mm-hmm. And because I am searching for somebody who's Catholic and also connects with me, like, like you know, we have a, a vibe. It just seems like it's very hard to find. Um, and even though we have seemingly so many choices, it's it's just like nobody makes any choices. Um, mm. yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that, you called it choice. You called it choice paralysis. Yeah, choice paralysis. That's interesting. I've, I've, I'm like familiar with the concept, but I don't think I've heard it called that before. Like, if you if you give if people are buying a minivan, you can tell what stage of life I'm in right now. If people are buying a minivan and they're uh, and you give them like three options, they'll they'll choose pretty quickly and be pretty happy with their choice. But if you give them like 17 options, they'll take a long time to choose. Maybe won't choose at all. And when yeah. they do choose, they'll be less happy with right. their choice because they would think oh, I, I could have gotten something better. So that's dating. In our consumerist society, yeah, where the internet gives us infinite options mm-hmm. potentially. We uh we choose nothing and we're not as yeah. satisfied. We always think with that's something choices. else. I mean, if I'd met around. my wife on yeah, I mean I'm not sure if I had 
met my wife on social media, like dating app or whatever, like who knows if it wasn't the right picture, maybe I wouldn't have swiped right or whatever, or swiped left. I don't even know which way you swipe. I've been out of the game so long, (laughs) (laughs) Lucky, but, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. So, so who, who knows how things would have gone? Would I have been like, Oh, this next girl in the queue, in the queue, uh, you know, yeah. is into soccer and I'm into soccer, you know, and then I would have missed out on like the love of my life. Right. So like, who knows? Even you in know? situations where um, you're like, Oh, this would be, this is so perfect. Like we get along, we are both attracted to each other. We both want the same things. It's like anything can be a reason to not pursue it. And I think mm. these days, um, we're more likely to throw in the towel and just be like, uh, no, we want a lot of convenience Mm -hmm. and we want things to be absolutely perfect. And we don't want to have to make sacrifices in relationships to better ourselves. Um, and what I've found in a lot of dating is that as soon as something is hard, people want to back out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and John Paul II in, in one of his writings, I think it might be in Love and Responsibility, which is a, a book he wrote about r- relationships and romance and, and sex and so forth before he was Pope. But he says, you know, there's the falling in love type of passionate love that happens right away. But the real love of like sacrifice that like maintains a relationship that doesn't begin until like your first fight, until your first yeah. hardship, until your first challenge. That's when the real love begins. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's not for, it's not love at first attraction. It's love at first challenge really is, is what it is. Um, which I I think is really beautiful. Um, the song that Olivia Rodrigo, where where she talks about, where she reflects on herself the most is called making the bed. I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier where she, she just talks about all these issues. She's like, really? Like I see that I'm complicit in this too. Like I'm, I'm the one going on dates with these guys. I'm the one who's been making the bed. I'm the one making these choices. I don't like, I can point the finger, but also I got to point the finger back at me. Yes, man. Yeah. Deep stuff. All right. Well, I, uh, we need to bring this in for a landing here. Is there anything else that we need to tell our lovely listeners about Miss Rodrigo before we leave? There's, there's so much more. I feel like we can do three more episodes on the things. I know. But is there anything you just feel like you have to say? Uh, I think like, look, as you're listening to her, her lyrics and relating to her pain, don't just stop at the, oh yeah, like this is also me too. And like dating sucks. The world sucks. Guys suck. Um, really ask yourself, well, like, what am I really searching for here? Like, don't just stop at the music. Don't just stop at the relatability and just kind of shrug your shoulders and be like, yep, it sucks. Um, really think about like, what, what is my heart searching for? What is the void in within me? And how am I trying to fill that void with all the things that are making me feel like I relate to Olivia? And where will I actually find fulfillment in the places that Olivia is searching, um, where she's searching for? So like do the rest of the work that she is kind of, she's setting it up and she's being like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. We all relate to it. We get it. But like go the extra mile Mm -hmm. and yeah, do the work. Don't just stop. Yeah. Yeah, It's like she, she's. she's showing you where the, where like the disease is or where yes. the broken bone is. And one's like, all right, now you got to do the work. And I feel like it's kind of like the laments in the Bible, the the Psalms that are like all depressing, like, God, why have you abandoned me? Which is the yeah. one that Jesus says on the cross. Yeah. Um, like it doesn't stop there. You know, you don't, you don't stop with that. You, you, you continue with that early like that. I think, I think my, my final closing thought on this would be just that idea that you brought up earlier, the idea that nothing except God is ever really enough. Like, yeah, like, is my wife enough for me? Yes. She's a great wife, but like, ultimately only God is enough for me. Like, are my friends enough? Yeah. I love my friends. You know, is, is my career enough? Yeah. My career is enough, but ultimately really only God is enough. And only, and and, and if anything else I try to make more than it is, and and I ultimately make my emotional satisfaction and my mental satisfaction and my, my legacy, I want to leave and my vocation for life dependent upon another creature person place thing that's not god mm. it's going to crush that thing and destroy that mm. thing yep. and so that that's like something i need a constant reminder of is that only god is enough for me and yeah, yeah it's like that matt morris song your grace is enough like that's that, as an oldie but a goodie and it hits like every time you know it's yep. it, 
it's your grace is enough. Yeah. So exactly. Awesome. Lillian, I often ask my guests if they would pray for us at the end of the episode, reflecting on some of the things that we've talked about. Would you be willing to close this in prayer? Yes, I'll do my best. All right. Listeners, let's take a moment and let's pray. All right. Lord Jesus, please come down upon everyone who is listening to this conversation and finding relatability in the experience that Olivia is sharing, but then also the experiences that me and Mike are sharing. And if they're finding that they resonate with that, please lead them to a place where they can find true consolation and true fulfillment and that they may know that their value and worth does not come from the things of this world, does not come from the attention of other people or industries doesn't come from an exterior source. It comes from God himself. And please guide them to that knowledge of their unwavering value and that they're called from the beginning. They've been called by name to be with you for all eternity and that there's no one else who can replace them in your heart. I ask this in Our Lady's name. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Lillian, thank you so much. Uh, If people want to find you, should they uh, go to your website? No, don't go to my website. I need to update it. It's really (laughs) out of date. Don't go there. Go to my Instagram. (laughs) Go to my Instagram. That's the first time I've ever had a guest say that. (laughs) Not until I update it. Um, Go to my Instagram at Lillian underscore Fallon. Um, Mm. And also actually like go to YouTube and watch my Ascension videos because I really dive into value. I have this video where it's um, all about things to tell yourself when you're struggling with uh, knowing your worth. And I Mm. cover four different things that you can say to yourself so Mm. that it reaffirms the truth of your identity. Hopefully kind of touching on this topic of the the wounds that we all have and Olivia Rodrigo. Um, (laughs) So specifically listen to that, watch that video. And then I have other videos awesome. on there too. So check me Very out. Very cool. We'll, we'll put all this in the show notes. And you, I really encourage everybody to go buy the crap out of her book, <laughs> Theology of Style, Expressing the Unique and Unrepeatable You. It's short. It's good. You can get it at ascensionpress.com. And that's also where you can find Elaine's videos or just search for her on YouTube and on Instagram. And you'll find it. It's also in the show notes. Lillian, thank you so much for being here with us and for your wisdom and insight and vulnerability in sharing during this conversation. Listeners, I want to thank you also for coming along with us on this journey and for pressing play today. If something in this conversation touched you, I would really encourage you or really challenge you, send this episode to somebody. Send it to a friend or somebody you just think, hey, they would appreciate this. Send them in a text or something like that. And that is how our show grows. That's how it's grown so far and continues to grow. And if you really want to help us, you can go to popculturecatechism.com and become a patron. There are six giving levels where you can support all the work that goes on here at Awaken Catholic and supports all the shows to find something that fits your monthly budget or your tithe. I want to thank all our patrons that support our show, but especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Steve and Maggie Hubbard, and Tom and Emily Camberiati. You can also go to catholicmerch.store, our, pay, our sponsor of this episode, and buy some awesome Catholic swag designed by our staff at Awaken Catholic. And uh, thank you for pressing play today. We are in season four of Pop Culture Catechism. So we got a lot of back episodes. If you're new here, you want to go and hear old stuff about Taylor Swift or WAP or any of the crazy Bridgerton stuff that we've talked about, you can get into, get into all of that. So uh, listeners, thank you again. We love you and God loves you way, way more. We will see you next time.